Come on, let's give it up for the chapel in Richmond. And come on, for the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail. Love you guys. Love you guys. Tell somebody you look good and then you can be seated. Tell them you look good. Come on. Well, we're in a series called Forward in the book of Joshua. I can't wait to tell you more about that in just a second, but I always love to look in the camera at the back of the room and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond, Scott's edition. So excited. You know, uh, Fall Fest tonight, we have at both locations. And I don't know if you got to see Pastor Jason and the team on the news. Anybody see that? Fall Fest in the city in Scott's edition. Proud of you guys and can't wait to see what God's doing. And then, of course, the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail. You're not a project to us. You're our people and we love you. And it's a joy to be all together. Isn't it amazing to be all together with technology? I mean, the, the miracle of that and all the things God's doing in the life of our church. And like you heard, Fall Fest tonight, it's going to be incredible. And then first Wednesday, and then in a few weeks, we got Women's Night. Would you do me a favor and RSVP for Women's Night? We just want to make sure we have enough food and not too much food. You know what I mean? So we want to be wise stewards of all that God's given us. So we want to prepare well for that. So ladies, you can help us. It's a great night to bring someone. I'm telling you, I've seen the kind of the flow, the speaker, the music and everything. It's going to be really special, Women's Night. And there's even a group of guys that are going to help serve you that night. How many know men need to do something? And so they're going to help, <laughs> help out a little bit as well. And, uh, but so incredible things in the life of our church. And you're going to be hearing a little bit about our missions focus at the end of the year. I'm almost tempted to tell you right now, a miracle of God is at work in the life of our church. And we're going to tell you about it in the next few weeks. It's really amazing. How many are grateful to be a part of a church where God's hand is on us and amazing in so many ways? And uh, well, we're, uh, I, I, I had a pastor, kind of a hero of mine. His name was George Wood, Dr. George Wood. He just passed away last year, but he was a pastor for years in Southern California and then a denominational leader. And we had the chance to host him a, a couple of years ago when we were pastoring in New York. And I remember asking Dr. Wood, what do you do on your day off as a pastor to, to relax and unwind? And if you knew George Wood, he's like a genius. He said, well, I got bored. And so for a season of my life, I got a law degree and passed the California bar on my day off. How many, you ever been having lunch with somebody smarter than you, you know? And I thought to myself, this is incredible. And he told me this, this amazing story. He said he was leading a trip to the Holy Land for his church. And as they were going uh, stop by stop through the sites there in Israel, he, um, he fell asleep on the bus in between uh, a couple of the stops. And as he did that, he woke up and he immediately began to have some physical symptoms that troubled him. He had blurred vision in one eye. And, and so he automatically started to panic and sort of self-diagnose himself. Anybody else? in the room a little bit of a WebMD, Google it, see what's wrong with you. Anybody, right? You're like, what's wrong with me? I'm either fine or dying. You know what I mean? And so he, he kind of diagnosing himself with a right eye stroke or whatever. He, and he's thinking at the next stop, I'm going to have to tell the group and they're going to check me into the hospital. Maybe I'll die here in Israel. I'll never see my wife, Jewel, again. Maybe I'll rise again. I mean, Jesus did that around here. And so uh, all these thoughts are going through his mind. And as he's getting up to get off the bus, somebody steps on something and says, what is this? And they hold up a, um, a little uh, uh, glass lens, sorry. Yeah. Um, and, and they said, whose is this? And Dr. Wood reaches and he realizes that while he's been asleep, one of the lenses has fallen out of his glasses. And the only reason he can't see is because his one eye is all blurry, you know. 
And he realizes he's been seeing things completely wrong. I'm convinced that one of the realities in life is not just what we're facing, but how we see it. I think oftentimes in life, it's not just the circumstance we're in, but our perception, our vision of the circumstance we're in. And I believe God wants to teach us this weekend, not only how to go through life, but how to see the circumstances of life in a way that's faith-filled and hope-filled and God-centered. And so we're going to talk together this weekend about how to have a spiritual vision for our life. And we're going to be in Joshua chapter 5, and this is the part of Israel. Man, we've had an incredible series. Didn't we have a great message last week on crossing the Jordan and now they're on the banks of the Jordan about to enter into the promised land and they're up against their first test and it's a big one it's the walls of Jericho and maybe you've grown up hearing about the walls of Jericho that was a city known for its fortified walls and and you had this experience in Joshua 5 now when Joshua was near where near what Jericho, he looked up and saw, not the walls, but he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but I'm commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. And Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. It's this amazing moment right leading up to chapter 6 where they defeat the the city of Jericho and the walls fall, that they have this moment of confrontation, Joshua does, with him and this mysterious figure, um, uh, this commander of the Lord that we'll explain in a while. But let me sort of set the stage. The first city that Israel has to conquer to occupy the good plan that God has for them is Jericho. And this was a garrison city where seven nations that that occupied the land put the big and fortified city first, and it was known for its walls. In fact, probably had a series of walls that would look something like this. A first set of walls, 12 to 15 feet high, and if you were trying to conquer the city, after you scaled those walls, you'd start running uphill, up a little, this would kind of be Death Valley, you know what I mean? Where the enemy would have another set of walls where they could shoot archers and uh, weapons down upon you and so where where you'd come up to a second set of walls most scholars think all in total somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 feet in height and it was known to be a a, a city that was impenetrable a city that had um an ability to go under siege so it couldn't be conquered and if you tried to um wait it out and kind of starve them out it was set to allow the other six nations to come in and attack you as you were trying to to, uh, stay claimed at Jericho. And so it's the biggest challenge they've ever faced. It's the biggest difficulty they've ever faced. And they're there on the other side saying, God, I believe you have a future for me, but I am staring up at something that feels really big. Has anybody stared up at something that feels really big, right? A challenge, an obstacle, a difficulty. I think the truth is all of us have faced challenges in life. All of us have our own Jerichos, our own obstacles, our own difficulties that stand before us that we have to figure out, God, how am I going to get through this? Maybe you've come here this weekend, you've got a financial situation in your life, and it feels like a Jericho. I don't know how I can beat that. Or a relationship in your life is dissolved, or you got a physical situation, or or something emotional in your life, and you just stare at it today, and you're like, God, how am I going to get through these walls? How am I going to get to the other side of what you have for me? What What's going to happen in the middle of all this? And Jesus told us that in this world, we would have tribulation, right? And But he said, be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. And somebody said, Pastor, be more positive today. Okay, I'm positive you'll have problems in life, right? 
positive you'll have difficulties. I'm positive you'll have Jericho's. I'm positive that part of the plan of God for our life is to run us through some walls and to help us go through some tests so we can learn to trust in the name of the Lord our God. How many have had at least one test in your faith journey, right? And God puts us up against them to develop some things in us, James says, and Romans says, character and perseverance and hope and utter reliance upon him. And that's where the nation of Israel is. They're right up against these walls, and they've seen them before. In fact, Joshua saw them 40 years before where they scoped out the land. They saw the land that the people who dwell in the land are strong, and he saw it even 40 years before. And the cities are fortified, and they're very large. He knew the obstacles. He knew the challenges. He knew the difficulties. And in the middle of all of this, God's just led him through the Jordan. And, and he has more for them, but they're standing up against a problem. They're standing up against an obstacle. They're standing up against a challenge. And they have to know that God is at work even when it feels like he might not be at work. I want to tell us today, God is at work all the time. Don't you know that? And sometimes we see him with our natural eyes and sometimes we don't see him. He's working behind the scenes, but it's so important for us to have the vision that God is at work. In fact, the Bible says if his people, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Meaning we have to have a sense of seeing what God is doing and trusting what God is doing and believing in what God is doing. And so I want to talk to us today about having spiritual vision in the middle of obstacles, how we see and how we navigate this. And Joshua comes up to the city of Jericho. And the author of this book of Joshua is trying to give us almost a play on words. I want you to see it with me. He says, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw. And the author wants us to piece together the walls, right? He looked up and saw the walls. Of course, that's where he is. He's in Jericho. But he looks up and he doesn't see walls. He sees someone standing in front of walls. And it's this commander and he doesn't know who he is. And Joshua says, are you for us or against us? And there's another translation. I love another translation besides this. Joshua says to the commander, are you for us or against us? And the man says, no. I love that answer. Are you for us or against us? No. You know, sometimes we don't even ask a good enough question. <laughs> Are you for us or against us? Joshua wants to know. And the, here's what the, uh, the, the commander is saying. I'm not for you or against you. And he answers it this way. He says, neither. He says, I'm commander of the Lord's army. And Joshua falls on his face to the ground in reverence. Now, we know this is a, 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 a person of Jesus, pre-incarnate Christ, appearing to Joshua for two reasons. Because he receives worship from Joshua. An angel would never receive worship. And, and not only that, he calls himself the commander of the army of the Lord. So Joshua is face to face with God in this divine moment. And he's asking God, are you on my side? And God's reminding him that's the wrong question to ask. The question this weekend is not if God's on our side. The question to ask this weekend is, am I on God's side? How many know God hasn't come to take sides, but take over, you know? And, and here's the reality. Joshua's saying, are you, are you for Ohio State or Alabama? Like, who, who are you pulling for? And God says, neither. No, 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 no. I'm God's, I'm God's, like, you need to bow before me. Here's the first principle. Just write it down. Spiritual vision in our life comes when we submit to God's purpose. Joshua called himself the servant of the Lord. He says, I'm the commander of God's army. He's letting him know you must submit to me. Before you go to fight the walls of Jericho, you need to win the battle of submitting yourself to my authority, right? 
And, and Joshua gets a vision of not just the seen walls of Jericho, catch this, but the unseen spiritual uh, principles that are so essential to his life. In fact, I'm really convinced that the unseen realities of life are the greater realities. 2 Corinthians 4.18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. How many know there are human things that are happening naturally, but sometimes there are divine things that are happening supernaturally that we have to have a different sense of discernment to understand that. And that is what this commander's doing. He's telling Joshua in this moment, I have not come to fight your battle. You better understand, you got to get on my side and do what I'm calling you to. And Joshua has a moment where he has to literally submit. In fact, the Bible says Joshua fell on his face to the ground and worshipped him. And look at this commitment of, of, of uh, submission. What does my Lord say to his servant? Your Lord I'm a servant. Let's just uh, remind ourselves today, there is a God and we are not him. I had a mentor tell me that. I said, well, give me one key. He said, one key in life. This will help you. There is a God and you are not him. Come on, just turn to the person next to you and tell him there is a God and you are not him. Come on, tell him that. Come on, Scott's edition. There is a God. You are not him. It's a reminder to Joshua that his calling to lead the people isn't through military excellence, but in submission to the commander who is the Lord. And he comes underneath and he submits. That's why Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what he says? He is king. He is ruler. He is Lord. He is on the throne. He it demands all of our life, our soul, our being, right? And not just a little tag on for Sunday morning or a little part of our faith. He demands all of our lives to bow to his authority and rule in our lives. And that's what the commander says in this moment. I'm not here to fight your battle, Joshua. You better realize you better come on my side. I'm commander of the Lord's army. You think you're in charge of this whole thing? No, no, no. You got two million uh, peasant farmers that have never been trained for battle. You better come on my side, right? And Joshua gets a vision of this. He realizes he's in the presence of God. Take off your sandals, God says. Take them off your feet, for the place you're standing is holy ground, right? Take your sandals off your feet. This is exactly what happened to Moses, remember, in Exodus 3, when God appeared to him and said, take off, take off your sandals from your feet. How many know feet are pretty disgusting? In fact, a few years ago, probably seven, eight years ago now, my mom did something surprising for my dad and I at Christmas one year, and she got us a, a gift card for a pedicure. Don't judge me. Come on, where are the secure men in the room that have had a pedicure? Come on, raise your hand. Come on, right here, right here. I got some over here. Let's go. I'm going to start a small group. In fact, there's a small group in this church that took me, a group of guys, to have a pedicure last year. I still appreciate that. But my dad and I, I never had a pedicure, so we go to the store and they ask you all these questions. I don't really know how to do it. And they start working on us. And my dad, my dad had some feet that needed some help. And I felt like they needed a shield. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, what's happening over there? And uh, just debris. And uh, it was bad. It was bad. And... Uh, have you ever seen like a wood carving contest? That's what it looked like. Just, is that too much? Uh, and so, in fact, I remember they were talking, not in English. And my dad said, I would love to know what they're saying. And I said, I know exactly what they're saying. 
In fact, like two years later, we're walking through the mall, walk past that same store, and the lady runs out and is like, you guys should come back for another pedicure. And I said, how does she remember us? And Katie's like, they've got your picture up in there, okay? Like, you guys are next level. And uh, But I remember what, being done with that pedicure that I actually walked, and I felt things with my feet that I had not felt before. There's something about removing shoes and standing on earth that connects us to something. And I think God says to Joshua in this moment, I want you to pause, take off your warrior sandals, your feet fitted for war, and I want you to put your, your toes in the sand and in the grass, and I want you to stand before me and realize that you're in the presence of something divine. It was a sign of humility. It was a sign of surrender. It was a sign of recognizing God's lordship. And one of the things we need to know as we go into the challenges of life is that we need to be people that are submitted to the lordship of Jesus, right? God's in charge of the Jerichos of our life. He's leading and guiding us. And we need to understand that. And Joshua not only submits to his lordship, he realizes, look at this, that he's simply in God's presence. He's in the presence of a commander of the Lord's army. And he recognizes the divinity, the wonder. He worships this commander. It's a sense of dependence on this commander. It's a moment of worship. And the interesting thing to me in this moment is in these couple verses, there is going to be not the battle plan rolled out till the next chapter. There's just an encounter between he and God. And if I'm Joshua, when I see God, I'm like, all right, God, how are we going to beat the, the, the you know, scale the walls? What's our plan? What's our, what's our systematic approach to this? But God doesn't answer the question. He just lets Joshua humble himself under God, and he just gets near him. Just write this down this weekend. I think it's so true that winning our battles is not, not nearly as important as worshiping the Lord. He'll get to the battle in the next chapter, but before he gets to the battle, which is where we want to go, how do I win? How do I get out? How do I get over? How do I get through? How do I get it done with? God says, no, 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 that's the next chapter. For right now, it's just about you and me. It's just about relationship. It's just about uh, community. It's just about connection. And Joshua has to have this moment where he humbles himself and then he has a relationship with God. He interacts. He relies upon him because God is going to teach Joshua something that it will not be the skill of his military might that will win victories, but his reliance upon the Lord. And I wonder if God has to teach us that sometimes in life, that it's our reliance upon him not his ability to do, not our ability, but his ability to do things through us, right? And some of us have gotten so used to being competent at some things that God lets us walk through some seasons where we say, I, this is bigger, this Jericho is bigger than me. And God says, now you're getting it. <laughs> and I'm not even gonna tell you the victory plan. I'm just gonna let you pause in worship to me, right? My Sunday morning ritual starts early in the morning when I pull through the drive-through at Starbucks. And I get the same order every week, a venti pike black, the way God made it, <laughs> and a venti ice water. And, uh, but I'm kind of changing my flow, and I decided I needed less caffeine, so I'm getting a grande pike, which is smaller than venti. And, uh, and, and a, but I, so I ordered this morning grande pike, 
venti ice water. And the lady who's used to me every morning, she, sa uh, she says to me, venti pike? And I said, no, grande pike. And she says, oh, I charge you for a venti pike because I thought you, you always get a venti pike. And I said, yeah, I know I'm trying to drink less coffee, but she's already given me the grande pike. And she says, well, then I'm going to give you a venti pike too. And I said, no, I don't need that. I could just, it's fine. It's my donation. And uh, it's already overpriced. And so... She says, no, 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 I, I really want to give you the venti too. And so I said, I don't really want the venti. She said, I want to give you the venti. I said, I don't want to. And so I, I pull, I'm, I, now I'm driving out of the drive-thru with a venti pike and a grande pike. <laughs> and my new flow on Sunday mornings is to ease in a little more because I'm like, uh, you know, so I just said, I'm just going to drink the venti pike and I'll save the grande pike. So I finished the venti pike and man, I'm reading all about spiritual vision and dynamics of worship and I finish the grande pike and I set it in the cup holder and I and, and come on I look at the other pike and I say you know what what God guides God provides <laughs> and I start drinking so eat 15 service I am just smoking this morning like whoa the people are like what's wrong with you I'm like I don't know I'm having a rhythm like I got everything going on here you know what I mean and, and I think some of us are tempted to think as we head into battle, maybe another coffee, maybe a, maybe a little Red Bull, maybe another plan, maybe another agenda. God is pausing Joshua in the middle of all this and saying it will not be human effort. It will not be caffeine. It will not be your own battle plan. It'll be connection to the commander of the Lord's army in his presence, right? Spiritual vision comes, Joshua, by just pausing and get, getting con connected to me. And then he gives him a promise. I love it. This is the third thing, that spiritual vision just comes when we believe God's promise, right? And he says to them, the same promise I gave you, I'm giving you again. Let me show you it. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. And none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, look at these words of promise. See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king, it's mighty warriors of valor. All of it's given into your hand. And all you're going to have to do is... is Walk out what I've given you. And in that moment, Joshua has to grab a hold of the promise of God and live it out in his own life. How many know it's one thing to get a promise and it's another thing to believe it? It's one thing to get a promise. It's another thing to believe it. And God knows that he's about to give Joshua the plan, which is going to be crazy. It's actually going to be a crazy plan. He's going to say, Joshua, here's the plan. Go tell the people that they're going to march around the city for six days, then the seventh day they're going to march around it seven days, and then they're going to blow some, some flutes and some clarinets, and the walls are going to fall. How many think this is a bad, this is a bad plan? Like, this isn't how it works. It should be catapult and military strategy and seek, sneak attack and no... And God speaks to Joshua and requires him to hold on to faith and, and requires him. In fact, we'll see it next week. I can't wait to show it to you. But God tells the people as they're walking around the walls that they can't even talk for the first six days. You want to know why? Because if they talked, they would surely complain and doubt. And here's what I wrote down this week. Doubt, doubt dies if it's left unexpressed, but it lives if you vocalize it, right? So God speaks to Joshua. He says, this is a big plan and it's beyond your doing. And I'm just asking you to give the plan to your people, but don't give it to them with human wisdom. Give it with a divine wisdom. Trust me in the middle of this. And Joshua is going to have to live this out. And friends, this is where we have to live it out. It's easy to live it out before we get to Jericho. But it's another thing when we pull up next to Jericho and 50 foot walls are there.
and a death zone in between and a, and a city that's never been destroyed. And we think, how in the world is that going to happen? But here's what happens. The captain of the army steps in between us and Jericho and we have perspective because of the proximity of God in our lives. Does that make sense? Have you ever noticed that things are bigger the closer they appear, the closer they are to you? It's like if you put your hand in front of your face, it can cover up a mountain, right? And I think that's what the commander's trying to do. He's stepping in front. It's God stepping in front of Joshua and saying, I see the walls. I want you to see me first. Because when you see me, it will give you the strength to, to face the walls around you. And if we're honest, some of us are professional freak out, fearful, planning. Where are the planners? Man, I had somebody tell me that, that Walmart was out of candy yesterday, right? This is after the first service. I said, Walmart was out of candy uh, last night. And the person next to him said, well, that's good. You shouldn't have been buying candy this late, this close to Halloween. You know a planner when you're near him, right? Where are you who like making lists? Come on, I love making lists. It's my favorite thing. My wife's got all these journals that I keep and in them are, are Starbucks uh, napkins and I write down and she's like, can I throw out these napkins? No, written on them are lists and she's like, they're all crossed out though and I'm like, that's me conquering the day. Efficiency, baby. You know, like, save those. If I made a list of my favorite things, lists would be on my list. Joshua gets no lists, no real strong, just, just this vague spiritual plan, and he's got to just trust God in the middle of it. He's got to trust, and God speaks the promise. I'm going to give the nation of, uh, uh, I'm going to give the city of Jericho over to you. He literally says, it might, be, it might be shut up, but no, 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 I'm going to give Jericho into your hand. Trust me in the middle of it. Trust me in the middle of it. Lean on my promises. Anybody there today? You got a Jericho in front of you and you just have to trust the promises. You'd really like a list. <laughs> You'd really like a plan. You'd really like three steps. I wish I had one of those sermons for you. Four steps to getting rid of your problem. Two steps to getting rid of this. Four steps. Here's my step. Get in the presence of God. Worship him. Look at his face and you'll find the strength of God to face the problems in front of you, Right? The other day, a few weeks ago, my daughter had a really bad day. She calls me with a flat tire, and she says, Dad, my flat tire. And I said, okay. I was trying to teach her how to change a tire. And then I said, just where are you? I'll come. And so I came, and I changed a tire. She calls me like 45 minutes later crying. She says, now the spare is flat. The flat tire, the spare is flat. And finally, she just yells out, I need a new car. So I tried to educate her about cars, you know. It's actually not the transmission. It's not really the, the, the engine. It's just the tire. No, it's, just, it's two tires. I need a new car. I said, no, you don't. You're driving into things like curbs. She says, not that much. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's running perfect. Just the tires. I think that's what we do in the middle of Jericho's in our life. We take this and we blow up our problem. We blow up our problem. We blow up our problem bigger and bigger and bigger. How many know some of us have faith in our problems rather than faith in our God? Faith in our challenges rather than faith in our God. And some of us have walked around instead of whispering the promises of God, all we talk about is how big the walls of Jericho are. 
Oh, you don't know how big the walls are. Oh, they're big. Oh, they're there's two walls. Have you seen there's two walls? Yep, two walls. And then when you scale the first one, they just shoot you with arrows the whole way up. When are we heading there? I don't know, but it's going to be bad. A lot of us are going to die. And they rehearse the power of the walls of Jericho. And what God's trying to get Joshua and the people to do is not rehearse the size of Jericho, but rehearse the faithfulness of their God. Has God been faithful to anybody in the room today, like faithful and true and steady and strong? He says, you march around. I've given the city of Jericho into your hand with the king and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once, and you'll do that for six days. And then the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times and the priests are going to blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up and everyone straight before him. So here's what he says. You're going to literally have to walk up to the city. They're going to surround it seven times. They're going to circle it seven times and then they're going to shout with what kind of shout? Come on, with a what? A great shout. I mean, there's just, it's a simple, it's a cry of faith. It's a cry of desperation. It's a cry of dependence before God leads them to knock down the walls. And nobody ever teaches this. They all skip this verse. God makes Joshua come face to face with him. And when Joshua looks up and the reader wants us to think he's about to see walls, he looks at the face of the commander of the army of the Lord, the pre-incarnate revelation of Jesus Christ. And what's going to happen is Jesus is going to say, because I'm on your side, you'll win the victory. And he looks at his face, right? Hebrews 12, and let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame and sat down at the right hand of God. And let us consider him who endured so much that we might not grow weary and lose heart. The answer to the Christian faith is looking to Jesus. I wish I had something more complicated today, right? You say, Pastor, what's the answer? Look to Jesus. What's the answer? Look to Jesus. It's a Sunday school answer. No, I get it. Look to Jesus. But it doesn't get better than that because I think too often we look at the walls and we look at Jericho and we look at what could be, what might be. You never know. It could be. It's not. And instead, God's saying to us today, look to me. Worship me. You might not even have all the answers. Next week, we'll see how the walls come down. But today, it's not even about how they come down. It's just about establishing a worshipful connection to Jesus and letting that drive us with proximity to trust in him. I was 11 years old when my dad took me to a, a 76ers against Boston Celtics game at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Long story short, it was amazing. We sat at half court and... Uh, midway through the first quarter, it was amazing because the people sitting in front of us weren't there. And um, Midway through the first quarter, this guy starts coming up the, the stairs and he's about six foot six. And I thought, surely he's not going to sit in front of me. And he comes across and he sits right in front of me and he blocked half of the court with his giant head, you know. You know what I realized? When something's close to you, it can cover up something bigger. And I just had that idea, perspective, perspective. Proximity determines perspective. Proximity determines perspective. And some of us have let the walls get so close to us that they're just, they're just taunting us with what might happen and what could be, what the chance. And God's just, the captain of the army is just trying to stand in front of us saying, I'm here. Take off your shoes. 
trust in me. I'm going to walk with you through this challenge. Would you bow with me all over this room? In just a second, I'm going to pray and I'm going to turn it over to the chapel in Richmond, Scott's edition. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've, I've got a Jericho in my life. I've got a challenge. I've got walls. And I need strength to trust God with them. Hands up all over this room in Scott's edition. Wow, a lot of us, maybe half of us, yeah. God, you see every hand in Midlothian. You see every hand in Richmond. You see every hand in the jail, oh God. You see every hand online. I pray like that commander, God, you stepped in front of the walls and said you were there. You'd step right in front of what we're facing and you'd remind us you're still in charge of the battle. Nothing happens without your plan, your purpose. God, give us trust to rely upon you and look to you and believe in you. Fill your people's hearts today with courage to love and worship you. God, we, we kind of symbolically take off our shoes. We humble ourselves. We bow before you. We're your servants. You're the Lord. We trust in you. We believe, oh God, we may not know how the battle's won, but we're confident that in worshiping you, the commander, you provide us all the strength for the journey that you might get glory, God. You might work good in our lives. You're working when we don't see it. You're working when we don't understand it. In all of it, we place our trust in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. I'm turning it over to Scott's edition.